Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. I'd read to you a passage of scripture, um, but I've got a lot of scriptures that I'm going to read today. So what I'll do is I'll work the scriptures into the actual sermon today. Okay. It's just going to make for a better flow, but, but here's this thought. Here's the name of my sermon that um, God whispered to me just the other day, and I can't wait to unpackage it all. I'm going to preach to you on this thought. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for this moment to one more time center our morning on your word. And Father, I just pray that wherever we are watching from, that we would just silence all the noise and the distraction and really listen in, Father, to what you want to say to us through your word. I pray for everyone listening right now, that their hearts and their ears and their minds would be open to receive your word, and that we would have the boldness, the strength, and the courage to carry that out. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Do you see what I see. I don't know about you, but uh, with my kids right now, it is all about Christmas music. Come on, how many of you are listening to all kinds of Christmas tunes on the radio? I, I, I downloaded this like kids uh, pop Christmas album and my boys love it. We listen to that every morning on our way to school. Um, I'm going to actually ask you right now, if you got a favorite Christmas song, would you put that in the comment section right now? Put your favorite Christmas song Put that right into the comments section. I'm curious to see what you all are vibing to. Now, my youngest son, Jackson, he's my, he's my four-year-old. He's my little fireball. He loves the song by Sister Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. He didn't know the name of it. He said, Dad, put on that Christmas song. I said, which one? He goes, the one that says baby. And uh, I was able to figure it out. He was talking about Mariah Carey. And so we listen to that song almost every morning on our way to school. What I'm basically saying is, please pray for me. I I don't know how much more I can take of that song. All kidding aside, we listen to that often because that is Jackson's favorite Christmas song. And, um, you know, today's sermon title is Do You See What I See? And it is adapted from a Christmas song. For those of you who thought that very intuitive, you guessed right. The name of that Christmas song is Do You Hear What I Hear? And as I was preparing for this sermon, I actually did a little looking into the lyrics because sometimes you just sing songs and you don't really take the time to understand what the lyrics are saying. So this is what that song, Do You Hear What I Hear, is saying. The song begins with the wind asking the sheep, do you see what I see? And the wind begins to tell the sheep that he sees a star. And so the sheep then tells the little shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? And the sheep starts to tell the shepherd, I hear a song in the night. So then the shepherd boy tells the king, do you know what I know? A king is born. Let's bring him silver and gold. And the song ends with the king telling all of the people, listen to what I say. The child sleeping in the night will bring us goodness and joy. I've just unpacked for you. Do you hear what I hear? Now, it's a great carol. Historically, it is incredibly inaccurate because um, if you know the story of the king that this song is talking about, that's King Herod. And King Herod was not happy when baby Jesus was born. 
I don't want to kill Christmas for you. So I won't say exactly what happened after King Herod found out about the birth of Jesus. You can just read that in your Bible for yourself. But the innocence of this Christmas carol where it's the wind talking to the sheep who talks to the boy is there really is this echoing in the scriptures, much like in that song that describes all the events that happened after the birth of Jesus. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, because last week we preached from Luke and we talked about the birth of Jesus. And we talked about how it is so important that you don't miss that moment. Now, today we're going to unpack this. Do you see what I see? So let's go to now our Bible. I told you, you got a lot of scriptures to read. So the first passage that I'm going to point you to is the book of Luke chapter two, verses 16 through 20. We're going to stay in Luke. Okay. I'll, I'll read different parts of it, but in Luke chapter two, verses 16 through 20, I'm actually going to pick up where we left off with our sermon last week. And this is shortly after the angels and what the Bible says, an army of angels speaks to the little shepherds out there in the field. And this is where it picks up. So these shepherds ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. Then the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Watch this. But Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and thought about them Often the shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them. And because they had seen the child just as the angel had said. So the angels and this army of angels makes this big proclamation to the shepherds. And these angels said the Messiah is born. Right now in Bethlehem, he has come. He is born. And so these little shepherd boys, they, they find the manger. They, they, by, by, by divine providence or some other sign, they are able to locate the exact manger that Mary was with Joseph and now baby Jesus. And when they break the news to everyone, they were all taken back by what they heard. It says this, but Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. What things did she put in her heart? Well, two things. Number one, that angels appeared to the shepherds. And then number two, that the Messiah had been born in Bethlehem. But I got to thinking, Mary's been through a lot in the last nine months. Let's just run back her life, okay? I want you to get some context as to everything that has happened to Mary in the last nine months. Well, first off, she's engaged to be married, and she is a virgin, and an angel appears to her, the angel Gabriel, and he says, Mary... You're going to give birth to the son of God. And she's like, how could I give birth to a child? I don't know a man. Basically, what she was saying is I've not slept with anybody. How is it possible for me to have a child? And so the angel begins to unpack to unpack to Mary how all of this is going to happen. Now, Mary goes and tells Joseph what happens. And Joseph's like, time out. The divorce is off. Um, you're telling me that an angel uh, announced to you that you were pregnant by 
by the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I don't think so. And, and the Bible says that Joseph was ready to just like put this whole thing away. He was going to cancel this whole thing. So that same angel has to go before Joseph and basically reaffirm Mary's story. Now, if that wasn't crazy enough, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And what Mary does not know and what Elizabeth knows is that the baby inside of Elizabeth's womb, because Elizabeth was also pregnant, just like Mary, had died in her womb. This child stopped moving. But the minute that Mary walked in and said hello to her and gave her a salutation and a hug. Remember when we used to hug people? Anyway, when she gave her a big hug, the, the, the baby inside of Elizabeth's womb leaped. There was literally a resurrection in her womb. That was Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist, that was born. Now, if that wasn't crazy enough, she had just given birth to the Messiah in a barn. Okay, that's what a manger was. It was a bar. So I say all that to let you know that it's been a long nine months. <laughs> it has been a crazy last nine months for Mary. How many of you can maybe not identify with that story, but can identify with going through a lot? Because Mary was clearly going through a lot. The emotions are up and down. As I shared with you last week, she didn't plan on having her son in Bethlehem, she wanted to have her son at home, which was in Galilee. But the crazy circumstances and turn of events caused her to have her son in Bethlehem. So she's living through just change and she's living through all kinds of stuff that has happened to her. And she's now in a manger, which is not really where she wanted to have her child. And these shepherd boys show up and they began to say what she already knows. I'm going to say that again. They begin to tell her what she already knows. But isn't that, isn't that just like life where God has to remind us what we already know? How many of us in our process of going through a lot have needed God to remind us of what he previously told us? You see, you can hear from God and know what God's plan is for your life but then life happens and things don't look the way that you thought that they would look. Things aren't going the way that you hope that they would go. And God needs to come and let you know once again. And I thank God for those moments, right? Because I, I, will, I am that person that will say, God, don't stop showing up in my life. I don't want these moments to go away. I need you to keep sending me these gentle nudges and these reminders that you are with me. And that's exactly what happened with these shepherds. These shepherds come in and Mary, although she is excited about the birth of her son, let's run back the context. She's not home which means she doesn't have the outfit that she had for him. How many moms know what I'm talking about? You take, you don't just show up at the hospital with your overnight bag and, and the, the overnight bag for your husband, but you got the outfits picked out for the baby. You're ready to bring your child home. And here's Mary giving birth to her son, not at home, not even at a hotel, but in a barn of all places. And, and she doesn't even have his outfit because the Bible says they had to just grab some cloth, swaddling cloth. So, so they get this baby, this naked baby without an outfit, and they're just wrapping him up in a blanket because that's all that they had. I'd go so far as to say that Mary probably needed that nudge. I'd go so far as to say that Mary, though she had heard from God, 
She might be looking around at the manger, <laughs> the, the, the smell of the manger, the condition of the manger, probably looking at her husband upset because he couldn't find her an inn and probably thought to herself, maybe he's not the son of God. I, I can't imagine the son of God being born in these conditions. Come on, it's the son of God. If the son of God is going to make his entrance into the earth, surely it's not in a manger. So maybe Mary's beginning to feel some doubt. And so these shepherds coming, they come and they give her that nudge, that, that, that reminder once again, that the son of God has come. The Messiah is here. And what God was saying to Mary is, I need you to see what I see. God saw that his son was now here on this earth. God saw that the Messiah had come. Mary in that moment, maybe she wasn't seeing it. So these shepherds come so that Mary could see what he saw. Do you see what I see? Now, the story doesn't end there. Let's go to verse 25 of that exact same chapter because there's another evidence. There's something else incredible that happens shortly after the birth of Jesus. 25, chapter 2 of Luke, it says this. Now, there was a man named Simeon who lived in Jerusalem. He was a righteous man and very devout. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he eagerly expected the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there and he took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Lord, now I can die in peace as you promised me. I have seen the Savior you have given to all of the people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Joseph and Mary were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. So as the story goes on, they've just given birth to their son, and they're taking him to the temple on the eighth day to dedicate him. That, that's literally where we get our practice of dedicating babies in a worship service. It's, it's from here, and you have evidence of that in the scripture. And we read about this man named Simeon. Simeon is a devout man. Um, Fun fact, in later writings from early church fathers, we learn that Simeon is the father of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was the mentor of Paul. Fun fact, not going to talk about that, but this Simeon is a righteous man and um, the Holy Spirit filled him. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he knew that he was going to live to see the Messiah. So when Jesus shows up, now Simeon gets hit with the weight of the Holy Spirit telling him this is is the Messiah. And so he says a prayer. He blesses the baby and Mary and Joseph are there. And what does the Bible say? They are amazed at what was being said about Jesus. Well, time out. Let's run it back to what I just said a minute ago. Okay. Mary had the angel Gabriel visit her. Joseph had the angel Gabriel visit her. They, they miraculously gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem, which was prophesied in Micah 5, 2. The shepherds had saw an angel of armies and they had come and told Mary and Joseph of all that they saw. I was thinking, Mary and Joseph, stop being so surprised. Why are you still surprised? Why are you still amazed at what you heard? 
But I began to dig a little more into what Simeon said. I thought, huh, if they're amazed, Simeon must have said something that really got their attention. And here is what he said. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. Let me, let me just stop right there and let you know that the Jewish expectation of the Messiah, I want you to get this right now, okay? The expectation on the Messiah was a national and political expectation, not a spiritual one. Their expectation of the Messiah was a national and a political expectation, and it was not a spiritual. What do you mean by that? Israel was no longer a nation. They wanted to be recognized as a nation, and their expectation on the Messiah was that he would once again restore Israel as a nation, and, and, and then that he would free them from the oppression of Rome. They were under Rome at this time, so they had national and political expectations of the Messiah. Kind of sounds like 2020. Let's move on. Anyway, but what Simeon said to Mary and Joseph was this, that this child would reveal God to the nations. Time out. They, they expected political national baby Jesus. What they got was spiritual kingdom of God, baby Jesus. And, and what it says in the King James Version, to give you a, a, another, um, another lens of that same passage of scripture, it says that Jesus would be a light to lighten the Gentiles. That's what it meant when the writer says that he was a light of God to all nations. Time out. Biblical Judaism always framed their whole belief that the Messiah would come for the Jews. Simeon is saying in Luke chapter 2, oh, he's not here just for the Jews. He's here for the Gentiles. Now that's why Mary and Joseph are taken back. Because their expectation was, again, Israel's going to be its own nation. We're going to be out from Roman rule. And the Messiah's come for the Jews. And Simeon says, I've got news for you. He's not just going to be for the Jews, but he's also going to be a light to the Gentiles. And it was at that moment, that's what caused Joseph and Mary to be amazed. Because this child that they had, this, this child who would come, this Messiah that would come, he's starting to do things different than what their expectations were. And isn't that like God to just work in our life in that way? You've got this expectation of what God's going to do and he'll just go and do something differently. And that's what God was doing through his son, Jesus here on earth. And Mary and Joseph are continually surprised at what is happening. And I believe that this is God's way of saying to them, I need you to see what I see. I need you to see what I see. And so Simeon speaks a word over them to reframe their expectations. And now, as amazed as they are, they're beginning to understand that God's plan of redemption for humanity was not just for the Jews, but for this world. For this world. Do you want to know why we call this series Christmas Together? Amongst other things, not because we're trying to be contrary into social distancing, although that is a little bit of it, just a little bit. But the reason we called it Christmas Together is because the birth of Christ unites us. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, whether you are a believer or an atheist, Jew or Gentile, male or female, whatever your belief is, the birth of Jesus unites us because he came for everybody. 
He came for everybody. So he came not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile. So that means you who are watching on the screen, he came for you. Whether you're a Jew or not a Jew, you're a Gentile. He came for you. Christmas together is this incredible uniting event of the birth of our Lord and our Savior who would bring humanity together under the umbrella and the weight of the cross where he died for all of humanity sins, not just the ones that you like, not just for the ones that vote like you, not just for the ones that share your religious experience and your religious ideologies. He died for everybody. He died for everybody. And he's constantly trying to reveal this to people. And he does this primarily through you, the church. God is speaking to this world through you. Would you let him do that? Would you allow yourself to be used by him? Because just like he had to make that proclamation at his dedication through Simeon, I believe God's still trying to proclaim that information out to this world. That there is a Lord and a Savior who loves them. That there is a Savior who has come and he is a light for them. And he's revealing the glory of God. Let me take you to the last passage of scripture. Okay, Luke chapter 2 verse 36. Because we're not done. There's a third and final witness here. Anna, the prophet, was also there in the temple. So catch this, okay? They're in the temple, and they're dedicating baby Jesus, and then there's Anna. And she's just hanging around when all this is happening. Don't you just love that person that always seems to be around when the stuff is going down? That's Anna, okay? So Anna's there, but she's also a prophet. So she's hanging out at the temple, and she sees all of this happening. She's, she's watching Simeon bless the baby and tells the parents everything that's going on. And Anna's just like right over there, just. <laughs> but she's watching all of this. And she starts to get a little closer to the action. It goes on to say, Anna was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. She was a widow because her husband died when they had only been seven years married that, that that's kind of tragic she's now 84 years old and she never left the temple but stayed there day and night worshiping God with fasting and with prayer goes on to say she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph and she began praising God she just moseyed her way out over and starts praising God because she's hearing Simeon and she's hearing his prophecy she talked about Jesus to everyone who had been waiting for the promised king to come and deliver Jesus so she hears this information and listen, Anna's the first evangelist. Anna is the very first person. That's what we read in the scriptures. Anna sees this. She rejoices with them and she goes and she starts telling people the Messiah's come and his name is Jesus. The Messiah's here and his name is Jesus. And I love the way the King James version of that text reads because it says this, and Anna spoke of him to all of them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Let's say that again. She spoke of Jesus every time she met someone that was in need of redemption in Jerusalem. So whenever someone needed to be redeemed, she pointed them to Jesus. Whenever someone was broken, she pointed them to Jesus. Whenever someone was lost, whenever she saw something that was unjust, 
she would point them back to Jesus. That's incredible to me. That Anna made it her ministry. She made it her mission. She was a prophetess that resided in the temple day and night, but now she didn't just stay in the temple. She's out preaching. She's out evangelizing. She's finding the broken, the hurting. She's finding the disenfranchised. She's finding those that have been outcast, and she's telling them about Jesus. She's telling them that Messiah had come. And Anna is showing us one more aspect of Jesus. Catch this now, okay? The shepherds talked about Jesus, the Messiah. Simeon talked about Jesus, the light to the Gentiles. Now Anna's talking about Jesus, the Redeemer. It's Jesus who redeems things, and he brings them back to life. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? There's, there's these different lenses, if you will, of this same person. This, this Jesus who's the savior of the world. And he's not here for political ambition. And he's not here for national ambition. No, he's here to restore the kingdom of God. He's here because he wants to save your soul. He's here to establish not an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom. He's here to establish the father's kingdom here on earth. And she's telling people, if you're broken, go to Jesus. If you're hurting, go to Jesus. If you need help, go to Jesus. And isn't that so true today? Isn't that what this world needs more of? Don't you believe with me that Jesus is the answer for the world today? The broken don't need another self-help book. The broken don't need another app. The broken don't need another hack. What they need is Jesus. Because just as he was in the business of redeeming 2,000 years ago, he's still in it for the redemption today. He's taking what was broken. He's taking what was lost and he's taking the disenfranchised and he's making all things new again. Jesus, the redeemer. And I feel like God is telling Joseph and Mary, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? And I'm coming to a close now. At the birth of Jesus, we have these three incredible events that are recorded here in the book of Luke, right? First, you have the shepherds, okay, hearing a chorus of angels sing. Then you have Simeon, who's prophesying and blessing this child in the temple. And now you've got Anna, oh, Anna, who just happened to be around. You got Anna, who's there, and she becomes the first evangelist. I think these are given to us and recorded by the gospel writer, Luke, writing this to help us see what he sees to help us see what God sees. Now I read something recently and kind of messed with me. It's off of a book that I just finished reading, but it says this and I, I can't remember exactly who the author of this quote was, but it said this, God made man in his image and then man returned unto God the same favor and made him in our image. It's like an ouch, like a mic drop thing. Because when God makes us in his image, we're not supposed to turn around and make him in our image. But I think that's what a lot of people do. As a matter of fact, your God probably thinks a lot like the way you think. Your God probably votes the way you vote. (laughs) Your God probably likes the things that you like. Your God probably dislikes the things that you dislike. So let me ask you, are you made in his image or is he made in your image? 
And, and through all of these witnesses, I think what we are seeing are these different aspects of who God is. And God is trying to say to us, I need you to see what I see. When you look on my son, when you look on Jesus, I need you to see what I see. Because my, my, my biggest challenge and, and what I am trying to so desperately figure out is, God, help me not to see you through my lens, through my Western worldview, through my 2020 first world worldview. That's hard to do sometimes. We, we have these expectations of what he's supposed to be. And sometimes when he doesn't fit our expectations, we just don't deal with it very well. But throughout the scriptures and through this continual stretching and challenging and reading, I'm asking God, show me more of you. I want to see you the way that I need to see you. I, I, don't, I don't want you to be the God that I've created in my own mind. I, I need you to be who you are. And I need to wrap my head around around. I need to wrap my head around who you are. And, and, and I'm talking with this lighthouse. I, I don't have it all figured out. But I want to see what God sees. I, I, I want to see what he sees. And this Christmas season, I need to see Jesus the way that God sees him. I need to see his life. I need to see his acts. I need to see his interactions the way that God sees him. And, and I, I really need to stop trying to frame him into my mind and let my mind be framed by him. I, I really got to get him and the place that he needs to be. And so if you're watching right now and you're asking yourself, how, how could God be all these things to different people? Well, chances are, all these different people have made God in their own image. And so you have to get back to the image of God. You have to see him for who he is. So we turn to the evidences. And that evidence comes in the form of shepherd boys. And that evidence comes to us in the form of Simeon. And that evidence comes to us in the form of Anna. But we grab these things and we hold them close and dear to us because we want to see God for who he is. Now, if you're watching this online and you need God to be your redeemer, I've got news for you. He's a redeemer. If you're watching this online and you need God to save your soul, you need a spiritual father right now. Can I tell you? He's here. He's with you. You can receive him right now. If you're watching this right now and you just need a savior, you just need a Lord over your life. You're tired of being the priority of your life. You're tired of worshiping all the wrong things. What do you mean, Pastor Josh? I, I, I don't worship other things. Whatever you devote your attention to, whatever has your worth, what, those are the things that you are worshiping. And it may not be God. He might be on your list, but he may not be at the top of it. And so today, my prayer is that you would see what God sees. Do you see what he sees? Can I lead you in a prayer? And whatever it is you need for God, I want you to ask that of him right now. As I lead you in a prayer, in your own words, at your home, wherever you're watching from, tell him, I need you to redeem this broken part of my life. I need you to be my savior. Uh, I need you to help me in this area. And just know that God will be there. He's waiting for you. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this incredible opportunity to gather. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to see you. And God, I just pray that we would see you. God, I don't want to make you in my image, but I want to be made in yours. Help me to put aside my preferences. Help me to put aside my biases. Help me to see you for who you are. Help me, Father. 
Help my unbelief. Help those parts of me that don't understand. Help those parts of me where my faith is failing me. Father, I want to see you for who you are. And Father, for everyone watching right now, if they need your redemptive power in their life, would you do that right now? If there's someone watching online that has not made you Lord and Savior of their life, as they make that confession right now, would you just flood their heart for the person that just needs to fill you once again? There, there are people that are just missing these moments in your presence where we would gather and worship and lift our hands and cry out and fill your spirit so tangibly. Would you fill that home? Would they just begin to feel your presence and even now be unashamed to lift their hands up and to cry out to you and to receive your spirit right there at their house? Father, we want to see you for who you are and we want to receive you as we see you and not just receive you, Father, but to act on all of those things that we're receiving right now, even in this moment, that we would be doers of your word and not just hearers of it, Father. We thank you for this moment that we've shared. In Jesus' name we pray. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.